you think for yourself? We like that around here. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. What happens around the globe, as we know, affects us all here at home. Thanks for staying with us on American Viewpoints. Uh, I'm Mike Ferguson. Uh, it could be North Korea at some point is in the news. China's in the news. Uh, Iran over the past couple of weeks in the news. We've got some provocations going. As we record this interview, uh, Iran has apparently shot down a U.S. drone. Uh, there's dispute as to where that happened, at least again, as we record this. But uh, it looks like we could have some escalating tensions there. I'm joined now by James Carafano, Vice President for Foreign and Defense Policy at the Heritage uh, Foundation. And you're also the E.W. Richardson Fellow. Thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thanks. You know, and, and even though I know the sh- show is pre-recorded, so like who knows how things right. will unfold. It raises the really important question, which is what the heck are we doing there to begin with? Right. And I think that's such a fundamental question that people don't talk enough about. And I just remind people is, look, the United States is a global power with global interests and responsibilities. That's just a fact. It's not a choice. We just are. We're a world power. And so what connects us to the world, and which allows us to go someplace to protect our interest or be there to begin with to protect our interest? And there are really three parts of the world that knit the world together and knit the United States to the world. And they are Europe, the Middle East, and, and Asia and the Indo-Pacific. And so it's actually in our interest that these areas be at peace that you have freedom of the seas, freedom to fly airplanes wherever you want, freedom for cyber activity, freedom of the commons, right? And that's not to say that that it's our job to be the world's policeman or to that these places have to be the land of milk and honey and there can't be any problems or even a little war here and there. But generally, if they're not if they're not falling apart, the United States is kind of okay. So freedom of the seas in the Straits of Hormuz, which is part of the right. Gulf, right, which is where 15% of the world's oil traffics, that is important to us, right? And and that's something for the United States where it's worthwhile for us to be forward present and ensuring that countries can freely transit the strait. We have a common friend in uh, former United States Senator Jim Talent. Yep. And uh, just a little bit ago, he told me that you are his go-to guy when he wants perspective on what's happening in this part of the world with Iran and the Middle East. And coming from Jim, that's pretty high praise. He knows the stuff. Yeah, Jim. Jim's really kind. I mean, I think he is one of the, the really great minds when it comes uh, to national security and, and defense issues. So mutual let's, a- admiration there. Let's uh, let's look at the bigger picture in that realm, and that is what is Iran's interest uh, if things were to escalate, as apparently that's a concern, whether it's militarily or economically. Iran's not in great shape economically right now. Right. What is their interest in potentially escalating this with the United States and what does that mean to us here at home? Well, I don't think either side has a an interest in escalating conflict. Um, having said that, um, it's very clear what the Iranians want. I mean, I'm, I'm not in Tehran. I don't hear their conversations. I don't know. But they, under the Iran deal, they had a, a good deal. They had access to the West. They got a bunch of money. And they didn't have to end any of the activities uh, which which they were doing to expand their interests and influence in the region, which were quite honestly destabilizing to the region. So that they would like to go back to the status quo, which was good for them. Um, they, I think they know that the only way they can do that is if there's a different president. So I think fundamentally what the Iranians want is 
they'd like for Trump to lose and somebody else to win, and whoever else wins, somebody who'd be willing to go back to where they were before. Having said that, um, there's only a limited number of things they can they can uh, do to influence that. But I think you have to remember the Iranians live in a really tough neighborhood. If you're seen as weak in that neighborhood, then you're on the menu, right? So what the Iranians can't just do is sit around and wait for 18 months to see if Trump gets reelected. They have to look tough. So they have to find ways essentially to look tough and aggressive. But on the other hand, they don't want to fight a war with the United States. Um, So they have to find ways to look tough that aren't risk escalating to a larger conflict. And then from the, the flip that from the U.S. perspective, the U.S. is very interested on containing Iranian power, pushing back on their destabilizing activities, but we're not interested in a war either, and so we have to find ways to contain them without risk of escalation. And I know people say, oh, well, but people stumble into war, right? You know, I'm not sure it's actually true. I mean, if you look at things where war is escalated, like the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam, where the United States mm-hmm. escalated, we we were looking for an excuse to escalate. If you think of 1914, the outbreak of World War One, countries were looking for an excuse to go to war. There are lots of crises I can point through through history where nothing happened, and that's because the countries really weren't interested in escalating. So both sides are doing stuff of a kind that is annoying to the other side, but it, it isn't the kind of stuff that demands that the other side ratchet things up. What is the right balance between the appropriate response to Iran, assuming that mm-hmm. the intelligence we're getting is correct on the oil tankers and the drones and where it was, what's the correct response uh, that would, I guess, disincentivize Iran or anybody else in that region from getting hostile and uh, squirrely versus risking right. a war or or a short-term conflict. Right. So you go back to what are we doing here to begin with? The number one goal is to keep the, the freedom of transit of the straits open. So that's number one goal. The number two goal is here is what we'd really like is more of the international community to side with us in pushing back against Iran. Uh, So the key to that is proportionality. What you're going to do is proportional to the threat, right? So let's be honest. If the Iranians did something where they they shot down uh, an F-15 and killed an American pilot, the United States would take a proportional response. I mean, there would be a punitive response there. Now, they're not going to go in and and bomb Tehran, but they're going to do, but they're going to take a response. And that's what the international community is looking for. They're looking for two things. One is, are you not escalating, but are you proportionally? And then the other thing is, is are you doing things which are legitimately about keeping the straits open? I think as long as we stick to that, we will build international consensus and pressure on the Iranians, which is just as, just as important as pushing back on them. What's this mean to us here? I mean, the people who just go to work every day, come home to their kids, go to Little League uh, in the summer, try to go to vacation somewhere. What does this all mean to us? I mean, obviously we don't want a war. Nobody in their right mind wants war. Right. But how does this affect our lives here? Uh, n- not much. I mean, I think the number one thing where you you see the direct impact on the life of Americans, you know, is, is oil is a global commodity, right? So if you pinch the supply of oil anywhere in the world, it affects markets worldwide. So you would see us, if things were bad and you took 15% of the world's oil off the market, you would see a spike in oil prices, and then that would ripple. That ripples through the economy. Sure. Everything gets more expensive. I think that's a very unlikely scenario because I think the United States has prepositioned enough assets so we can ensure that that's. I like to point out to people to contrast the U.S. response to this 
with the administration's response very early on to um, Ukraine, where the Russians uh, blocked the Sea of Azov and seized some Ukrainian sailors, and the U.S. response was kind of, you know, we reacted and we were slow, we had sanctions. Um, it really wasn't very effective. Contrast that with this. And, and the reason why I point to that is we knew that the Russians were going to do that. For months, the Russia had been setting this up, right? So we knew this was coming, and yet we were unprepared for it. This is 180 degrees. We knew this that the, the Iranians were going to try this. We got the intelligence. We told the international community. We warned the Iranians. We pre-positioned assets. So we're not reacting to the Iranians. We're responding to the Iranians. That's a much more uh, proactive, much more thing. So I think American policy is actually in a, in a, in a good place. Okay, if people want to keep up with your take on this, because as we've said, this is not a big secret that this is a pre-recorded right. show. So between the time we're talking right now and the time this airs, isn't a lot of time, but something major could have changed. Uh, they're probably going to see on Fox News or read right. your you read your uh, responses in uh, the national media outlets. But if people want to get in touch with you directly or follow what you're doing, the best way is how? So you go to heritage.org. You can contact the analysts. You can read all our research. And you're right, I, I, I usually write a fairly frequent column in foxnews.com on the opinion page. And so when things happen, I'm usually in there saying, you know, what's going on. But Heritage, the Heritage website's a great resource, tons of research on, on virtually everything domestic and foreign policy. And uh, you're on Twitter? I am, JJ Carafano. Preventing World War III, one tweet at a time. <laughs> James, thank you so much. Vice President uh, for Foreign uh, and Defense Policy at the Heritage Foundation. It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. You are on Facebook already, right? So find the American Viewpoints page, like us, and get involved in the conversation. There's something new posted every day. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo Goat G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for greatest of all time. As in spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Did you like what you heard on the show? Or did my guest get it totally wrong? Or maybe I got it wrong. Either way, hear it again and share our discussions through the American Viewpoints podcast. I'm Mike Ferguson, and every segment of this show is posted as a podcast. Find it on Simplecast or Spotify, Radio Public, iHeart, or pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. A new podcast is posted every Monday through Thursday, so subscribe and keep the conversation going.